Uh, hello and welcome to another edition of Douglasville Impact, our community podcast. And this is a special episode. Uh, we don't have our regular format today. We're going to talk about news and events. This uh, episode, we are all dedicated to our Douglasville Parks and Recreation Department. We're going to talk all about the amazing things going on over there, everything they've done over the past year, dealing with challenges and some exciting things they got coming up. So we got the dream team assembled on today's show to talk about all those things. So joining us on the show today is Parks and Recreation Director Travis Landrum. Morning, everyone. Uh, Assistant Parks and Recreation Director Mr. Chris Bass. Hey, Chris. How everybody doing? And Park Supervisor Ms. Shahara Thresher. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us, guys. All right, so we're going to talk all about Parks and Recreation today because you guys uh, have had stuff going on nonstop. Uh, you, even during COVID, it was amazing all the things that you guys were still able to do in, in spite of the things that you were not able to do. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start there. Let's start with the past year and, and everything that we've been dealing with and had to deal with as a city and a community and COVID and restrictions and programs being shut down, events and activities being shut down. But you guys have been working nonstop and still coming up with new and innovative ideas uh, about that, right? So uh, talk to us, who wants to talk to us a little bit about some of the innovative things that we've been doing over the past year? I know we, I know Shahari, we've been working with you a lot with a lot of those kind of virtual programs. Um, tell us a little bit about our successes over the past year and the things that we were still able to do, you know, as a community to connect with the citizens. Can we talk about that just a little bit? Absolutely. So when the pandemic initially happened, uh, there was a stay at home order. So what we decided to do over here in Douglasville Parks and Recreation was to start a rec at home program, which included daily videos via social media, daily workout videos. We did TikTok Tuesday. We did some trivia questions, um, answering questions about the parks and different things. Uh, then we did an inclusive type of activity just to, to continue to engage the public. We also did the Wreck in a Bag program, which we had different activities for kids to do at home from chalk and jump rope and just the coloring book, cooking ideas and things of that nature. And we actually delivered it to different neighborhoods. Um, it was about a six week program and we just connected with different communities and we would drop off on Friday. So kids and families could still do recreational activities and not have to leave their house. That was one of the biggest things that we wanted to do. Once the stay at home order was lifted, we started to get a little bit more innovative by doing our great escape scavenger hunt, uh, doing a virtual summer camp box kit where we did a Zoom every week for six weeks. Uh, then we moved on to start opening up more of our recreational programs, but limiting it in space, even our rental space, you know, limiting it, the room capacity to, to fit the stay at home, the CDC order of social distancing. So those were some of the things that we started initially when uh, the pandemic hit. Yeah. And then, the, and I think it's great because we were still able to connect <clears throat> with a lot of citizens and offer them something to do. Uh, I think particularly during, you know, with social distancing in place, parks were an option for people to get out and get outside and, and go for a walk and, and enjoy the outdoor parts and not have to really be 
around everyone. So you guys did a great job of coming up with ideas and options to continue to be able to do that. Right. So, I mean, that's, that was a big thing with everything shutting down and people were stuck at home. They just wanted to get out. Uh, I think all of our parks and state parks and everything saw a big increase on attendance this past year because <laughs> it was something people could get out and do. <laughs> so, uh, and you guys are continuing to come up with, with ideas like that because while we're in a different place, we're in a, hopefully a better place and moving toward a better place. We're still kind of looking and planning and moving forward, kind of planning some of those ideas that are still able to be done socially distanced and with safety measures in process, because we still don't know where we're going. Right. So you got, I know you guys still have some things on the, on the horizons that are coming up. You want to talk about some of the things we got coming up that are, that are still some of those kind of socially distanced and safe options. Yes, absolutely. So even our pedal pushers program was started in the midst of the pandemic. And um, it's a limited number of bikes. I know a lot of people are wonder, well, you know, why was this program created? It limits the number of bikes in the park. So it's not an influx because we really don't have a bike trail at yeah. Hunter Park, but it does allow for the community to, to ride their bikes. We're looking into starting a guided ride group where constituents can come weekly and receive, you know, a 30-minute guided tour of Hunter Park. But it's more of a leisure ride um, for people to enjoy and also social distance. We're also, you know, trying to continue to engage the community in other aspects and ways that, you know, there's just, we had a Christmas activity kit. Uh, we have started a lot more of our athletic programs and even we have our summer camp open, registration open today. So there are still things that we're trying to incorporate a more uh, socially distant, but on-site aspect, and then also offer the virtual programs and activities as well for those in the community who do not feel comfortable with re-entering into yeah. the community right now. So we try to have that balance of, of virtual and on-site options. Yeah. And that's, you know, you guys have had to get creative, as we all have, uh, to come up with ways to do things that people still felt safe coming out and participating in. I know we had, uh, you know, when Halloween came around, you know, it was we still wanted to recognize and do something for Halloween, but you couldn't have a fall festival, you know. Um, so the, the Honkoween drive through trick or treating kind of event, you know, that we held out at Hunter Park uh, had an amazing turnout and people loved it. You know, and it was one of those things where it was a great event and 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 you didn't feel like it was a socially distanced type event. It just felt like it felt like a really cool event and it happened to be a drive through event. So it was safe and, and socially distanced. So, you know, a great innovative way to do that. I know we're looking at, you know, some options for uh, car bingo coming up so we can do things like that. You know, we're still having some of the screen on the green ideas to have some summer movies and things, but doing it in a safe way so people can come out and enjoy getting together without getting too close together. <laughs> um, and I, th I think the, the amazing thing to recognize about what you guys do and what all, all of uh, our event people do coming up with these event and activities that they don't feel like limited experiences. They don't feel like socially distanced experiences that I'm only enjoying so much because it's socially distanced. Coming up with a way to do an event that is just fun and enjoyable and you feel like you're out you know, spending time with the community, 
uh, without really thinking about, oh, you know what? We are socially distanced or we are still in our cars, but you know, it's, it doesn't have that feel about it. So you guys have done a great job with that. So Thank you. Kudos. Um, so the other big thing that you guys were able to still accomplish last year was actually kind of huge. So you were you you started the process of going through the uh, CAPRA accreditation uh, prior to COVID, right? Um, so I guess Chris Bass, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that what the CAPRA accreditation stands for and what that means. That's something you guys were still able to complete during the year of COVID. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about CAPRA in general. Yeah. So um, like you mentioned, we were able to attain uh, our CAPRA accreditation in 2020, which was a, a major undertaking for our department. Uh, Travis sought out in, in 2018 to um, obtain this accreditation simply because we wanted to show our citizens that we are following best practices in the industry. We are going to do whatever we can to provide safe, equitable, programs for our citizens and that CAPRA accreditation uh, holds us to that. It allows us to benchmark against best practices of monks, not just um, regionally through, but throughout this entire country uh, with parks and recreation agencies and really show that we're going to put our best foot forward and, and, and do what's best for our citizens. Um, since this pandemic, uh, it has really been been challenging for us to provide equitable services. And when going through that that capital process, there were certain standards that were that identified how are we going to provide these equitable services? How are we going to have this outreach to underserved populations? And to be honest with you, COVID nineteen brought even bigger challenges as we were trying to provide these services. But we were able to go and and look and see, okay, where we as an accredited agency doing to still offer these services um, and it, not just counseling, but creating innovative ways. So that, that shows why we are uh, one of the best, one of the leading industries in, in um, this, this country as it pertains to this accreditation. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea, there are about 230 parks and recreation agencies in the state of Georgia, and only 11 of them are accredited. Um, with us being in that number. So that's we're in the likes of City of Alpharetta, City of Atlanta, um, Clayton County Parks and Recreation, Columbus Parks and Recreation, some of the larger um, municipalities. So uh, it just goes to show that we're doing what we can to make sure that we are providing the best services for our citizens. Awesome. That's great. So that's that's a that's a huge thing. And it and it was that's not just something you get. It was a long process and a lot of stuff you guys had to go through to make, you right. know, they didn't just hand those out. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So um, just kind of give you an idea. I talked about 11 in the state of Georgia, but there are um, just about 200 in the entire country, uh, parks, recreation agencies, uh, out of thousands that, uh, that are accredited uh, because it is a very rigorous process. Um, you have to show that you are prove, show evidence of compliance that you are meeting these standards. Um, for example, how are you determining um, how you develop recreation programs? Well, there's a recreation program plan that we have. How are you making sure that your, your parks are meeting the level of service that they need to meet in order to provide the best quality? Well, there are standards that speak to this. We have manuals that we put in place. There are a lot of steps and protocols and policies that we put in place to show that we are staying true to this accreditation. So that's why it feels good that, that we are one of those 11 throughout the state. Um, but it, the work doesn't stop just because we've obtained that, that, that accreditation. Uh, it, it 
continues. It's something Travis and I meet monthly to make sure that we're staying on top of it because we want to be intentional about it. We don't want to just say we're we're crazy. We want to be able to actually say that we're doing the work that this that this accreditation comes with. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned, you know, that's the, the quality level of those programs that you guys are delivering. Uh, so so kind of continuing on that, uh, we're at a point where, like I said, last year we shut a lot of those things down because we were sheltered in place and, and, and different things. We're at the point where we're starting to slowly bring some of those programs back. Right. So we're, we're approaching our rec relaunch. Right. So. Tell us a little bit about where we are, uh, and I don't know who wants to talk about it. Maybe Shahar wants to talk about it a little bit, where we are with our programs in our parks and where we are with kind of bringing all those programs back as part of our, our rec relaunch. Yeah, so I, I'll speak to the, the athletic um, piece because that we have um, received tons of questions about how are we going forward with our athletics. And I'll let Shahar speak to our program and uh, re, rec relaunch initiative as she's been spearheading it um, from an athletic standpoint. Just like several other agencies in the metro Atlanta area, we were forced to cancel uh, last year due to COVID-19. Well, now we have uh, re- done, done the research. We've um, partnered and, and networked with other recreation agencies to find the best safe way possible to still offer these leisure services. So our first program that we brought back was our um, adult men's basketball league. We've done it in a modified version to where now and in, in, in following the, the governor's guidelines and uh, CDC guidelines, we have limited number of people that can actually be in the gym at one time. Um, mm-hmm. Similar to the NBA, you'll see um, fans aren't allowed in the stands. Uh, you'll see where the benches have been spread out in order to promote that social distancing. So those are some of the parameters, guidelines <clears throat> taken for it to offer those that men's basketball. One of the ones that I'll be honest with you has been the hardest um, because we're dealing with youth is our youth baseball. We found a way to still be able to provide that service because to be honest with you, we're here to provide health and wellness programs for our citizens. So that decline in athletics really hurt a lot of our our, our children as we're, we're trying to, you know, aid in the fight against childhood obesity. When you eliminate athletic programs that really hurt hinders our youth. So, um, with baseball being one of the first ones we're bringing back online, we were able to figure out ways to do that safely. So um, you'll see some guidelines like parents won't be able to attend practices. They'll have to stay in their cars. Um, but fortunately, we've been able to partner with you all to find some entertainment for, for um, some of those days. But um, still trying to figure out ways to, to just mitigate this, 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 this pandemic and, and try to find ways to still offer these leisure services. We're bringing back our, our men's softball, I'm sorry, not men's, our adult softball league that will be starting back up this spring. And then we'll go from there. And, and to be honest with you, we're going to kind of take this thing day by day. There'll be certain precautions that we'll take if we do see there's um, certain individuals on the teams have, have tested positive, then we have protocols that we'll have to follow. But it's us just trying to slowly roll back in some of these, these athletic programs. And I'll let Shahara speak to the record we launch. Thank you, Chris. For the Rec Relaunch, that was really just a push for us to show that we're back. It's an opportunity for us to broadcast some of our previous programs as well as some of the new ones. So some of the previous programs that have started back is Taekwondo and also Dance for Flowers and our STEP Special Talents and Entirety program. So those three programs 
um, have been at Hunter Park for years. And we wanted to show that we're back. Dance for Flowers is a great program for youth. Taekwondo has adult and youth programs. And step, step, the STEP program is for individuals with disability. That program is actually free of charge. So you just have to sign up and you can come. We also introduced some of our newer programs that we started during the pandemic. So now we have a ballet program for kids between the ages of three and nine. And we have an urban line dancing program called Sunflowers in Motion, which is for, it's for all ages. And that program has really grown uh, as well. So we wanted to reintroduce some of the older programs that's been here throughout and also introduce those newer programs that people may not have heard about. So the Rectory Lunch shows uh, and broadcast some of all of those programs and the precautions that we've taken uh, due to COVID at our facility. So, you know, when you come in, you will have to get your temperature checked. Uh, we have six feet distancing signs. Of course, we have a maximum occupancy number in each room. And so those are some of the precautions that we've taken to aid with um, the help of stopping the spread of COVID-19. And you can still enjoy the recreational programs and also, you know, still be safe. Um, most of the program instructors, they may require a mask in their program. So if they do require a mask. We do have masks available at the front desk and you can always grab one if you forgot yours or um, things of that nature. So we are trying to be as impactful and inclusive as we can in this, um, in the rec relaunch. Awesome. Yeah, and I think that's great. I, like you said, health and safety is top priority. Um, and, and kind of the same way where the, the CAPRA accreditation <clears throat> marks that, you know, you know, we're an accredited agency now with with that CAPRA. So when you're coming to the Douglasville Parks, you're going to get uh, you can assume a high level of service, a high level of customer service, a high level of that program. In the same way, you know, all of our programs and stuff that we put on at the parks, um, we've kind of built a reputation, you guys over there, of putting on good quality programs. So when you come to a, a program at the Douglasville Parks and Recreations Department, you're coming to a high quality program that it, that has measures to keep you safe. So you can have that kind of sense of security that all the measure, proper measures are being taken uh, to make sure that, that, that everyone is safe. Whether it's one of our, our programs, like the, the athletic programs or something like that, that we ourselves as a city are putting on. Or uh, I know a lot of the programs that we do at the parks also are where you guys partner with the provider for those programs. So you have your parks partnership program where you're partnering with uh, those program providers. Uh, and part of that is making sure they are top level providers, making sure they have all the proper certification and making sure they are following all of those proper safety measures uh, as well to make sure that when the public is coming and participating in any of these programs, they are getting top level service and a priority on, on their, their health and safety. Um, so I think you guys have done a great job of establishing a reputation of being, you know, a high quality service provider so that people can take comfort in coming. Hey, it's a, that's a, that's a Douglasville Parks program. Uh, it's going to be well thought out. It's going to be well planned. There's going to be all the proper safety measures in place. I don't have to be concerned about that when I come to a Douglasville Park. So again, great job, guys. <laughs> 
All right. So I think that that covers, I guess, uh, where we've been the past year and where we are and where we are kind of moving forward. But let's talk long term, because I know you guys have also been talk, putting a lot of thought into the long term state and planning of the Douglasville Park. So you guys uh, have just completed uh, kind of a parks master plan uh, focused on on coming up with the long term plans for the parks. Right. So maybe, Travis, can you tell us a little bit about that? Tell us about what the parks master plan is and kind of the process we went through and what we kind of got out of it. Yes, Jason, uh, the master plan is actually our blueprint, <coughs> our map for the next 10 years. Uh, in beginning 2016, uh, the city did not have a master plan for the parks and recreation department. So it's basically a map that is going to tell us what we should look like in the next uh, 10 years. We're in the third year of this plan. And traditionally, in some cases, you'll have a master plan developed and then it'll sit on the shelf and collect dust. Uh, we want to be intentional with this plan and with all of our other initiatives that they speak to each other. So uh, we had Los Design come in and they did a, an assessment on our department. Uh, they spoke to the community. They spoke to elected officials. They spoke to employees and they wanted to get an in-depth understanding of our operations here in the city. And with that, we got the good, the bad and the ugly. They came in and they said, hey, you're doing this great. You could be doing a lot better in this initiative. And, you know, we had to take all that information in and we used it to develop a, the master plan that was created. in. I think they concluded in September 2018 and mayor and council adopted it in early 2019. And it pretty much gives us recommendations of how we should move forward to continue to provide for the community. Um, we want to make sure all of our initiatives, all of our programs, everything that we put out in the future is community driven. Um, if the community doesn't provide us that feedback, uh, we don't feel like it will garnish the, the support that it would to be successful. So the community is the key ingredient that we needed for our master plan to get created. And they developed that. And, and again, as I mentioned, we're in the third year of that. Uh, it was a key component that we needed to go through the CAPRA accreditation. So again, with everything tying together, it allows us to say, hey, these are the types of programs that the community is looking for. Um, we speak to our other stakeholders in the community to make sure that we're not duplicating services or to see how we can make sure our services and other stakeholder services uh, mesh together to provide better services for the community. So uh, the master plan is, is pretty much like our our golden book uh, that you would say uh, that we use to go forward here uh, for the next couple of years. Awesome. So, and, and from that, from that master plan, you guys have basically developed here, you know, this is our blueprint. These are our priorities that we've established that these are the things we're going to focus on as a parks uh, department to provide to the community. And, and that, I, I like what you said, and you said it repeatedly uh, and probably for a good reason, uh, was that community input uh, portion of it. So part of that parks master plan, I remember uh, countless community meetings, uh, community input meetings, uh, surveys, all kinds of things that we put out there asking, asking the community, you know, what do you want to see? What would you like to have in the parks? Do you want to see more sports? Do you want to see more recreation? Do you want to see pickleball? Do you want to see lacrosse? Do you want to see a pool? Do you want to see a splash pad? <laughs> what else have we not even thought to ask would you like to see in your park so i mean there were countless you know uh, meetings and stuff with the community to say we want to serve the community we want to give the community the services they they want um 
<clears throat> so when we say we develop this park master plan uh, and we develop these park priorities, it's not like you guys just sat around a table one day and said, you know, what would be cool, right? <laughs> there was a lot of, of work and a lot of process so that went into developing uh, that. And from that, we got that priority list. Uh, and now moving forward, uh, you know, the, a lot of park renovations uh, are happening now, right? Um, right. So uh, I know this past year, Mill Village was, I hate to even call that a renovation because that's like a brand new park over there, right? I mean, yes, they absolutely. pretty much plowed the old park down and built an amazing little uh, neighborhood park over there. Uh, if, if you haven't been over to it, the little Mill Village Park over there, it's awesome. It's a great little park. And that's just the first of multiple park renovations we got coming up um, as a result of this, this master plan, right? Uh, what, what's the next one we have on, on coming up on the timeline-wise, park renovation-wise? Yes, Jason, correct. Um, the recommendations that they provided were to do some renovations to the parks that we currently have. So the current park that we're looking to renovate now is Willing Workers Park. Uh, the bid packet was sent out at the end of last year and it was approved and awarded by Mayor and Council in February of 2021. So we're looking at a nine to 10 month window for that to be completed construction. Uh, fingers crossed, uh, of course, always pending weather and other factors that that might come out of the blue like COVID um, that delayed the Mill Village project. Um, but yes, the as you mentioned, coming straight out of the master plan, it gave us those recommendations. Because uh, of course it talks about continuing to grow with the community, acquiring land and developing new parks. Uh, but it definitely had your current priorities, which were, we want to take care of the parks that we have first before we go and acquire new park land and develop new parks. So it, it recommended that we did three part renovations, uh, Mill Village being the first, and then concluding with that, we're going into Willing Workers that we're currently working on now. And then following Willing Workers, we'll look at our Jesse Davis Park uh, to complete renovations over there as well. And that's a big one. You're talking about a big project over Jesse Davis, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and again, those are, those are three parks. Uh, I know that uh, Wheeling Workers and Mill Village are kind of, they've been like smaller kind of neighborhood pocket parks. Um, but with Mill Village, you made it into a really awesome destination park, you know, to go and, you know, hang out. I know what I've seen so far for Wheeling Workers Park, um, there's big plans to make that into kind of a full-on, full-on destination park. Um, <clears throat> with the Highway 92 re re relocation project that is set to finish this year, uh, it will be done this year. Um, Jesse Davis Park pretty much becomes a gateway to the city, right? That park is now sitting right on 92 and where before it was kind of on the other side of the woods. You didn't really know it was over there. Uh, it's right on 92 uh, at this point. So that's that, that park becomes a huge gateway park for us. So there's big plans for Jesse Davis Park for expansion and, and things like that, right? And Correct. You hit the nail on the head. Um, we consider that a flagship um, on the New Horizon north side of the community, because uh, as you mentioned, it's kind of been a hidden gem for so long. So yeah. the plans that we're currently proposing with Marion Council and uh, again, feedback that we've gotten from the community is to look at what we want to have in that park. Uh, we currently had a community input meeting last night 
where we were seeking feedback as to the amenities within the park, the pool, football field, playgrounds. We talked about all of those amenities that are currently there. And we're still actually seeking to have info, information collected from the community. Uh, we'll have a survey that's currently going out um, via social media that we're still looking to gather feedback from the community. So then GMC, uh, Goodwin Mills and Kwood, that's the company that's developing these concepts for us. They'll take all of that information and generate a proposed concept for the park that'll be finalized and presented to, to mayor and council uh, to adopt and go forward with as well. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. Like, like you said, I know we talked about during the master plan, you had, we had all of these community meetings and all of these public input meetings and all of these surveys. Uh, but when they adopted that master plan in 2018, they didn't stop. That's not something you guys were just doing for the master plan, uh, which is great because you guys have continued to have public input meetings and community engagement meetings and surveys out there to continue to get that information, um, which is great. Like I said, you, you guys had one last night. <laughs> still asking questions, you know, hey, we, we did the master plan. Uh, we've moved forward. Now we've got this whole park renovation plan. We're in the midst of planning this park renovation. So we're going to come back with a few more questions. Hey, what would you like to see? You want to see a pool? You want to see a splash pad? You want to see, you know, this, that, and the other. So you guys are still trying to connect with the citizens to make sure it, along the way we're doing what this community wants to see, what the citizens wants to see. The worst thing you can do is build a park and get at the ribbon coating and people come out and going, what is this? <laughs> Absolutely. We don't want to use, this isn't what we need. <laughs> so it's great that you guys are continuing that connection and that, that community involvement. Uh, you established a, a parks board, right? Wasn't that part of this whole process as well? Yes. Uh, so to have the eyes and ears in the community and also with stakeholders that we are affiliated with in the community, um, we have a park advisory board uh, that is 12 uh, members on this board. And it has representation from affiliates such as uh, the Douglas Board of Education, uh, Douglas County Parks, uh, the Boys and Girls Club, Douglasville Tiger Cubs, and then, of course, with each ward representation from the elected officials, uh, they have a nominated citizen on the board as well. And we'll meet bi-monthly. Uh, we'll have information that we'll provide to them, get their feedback. And again, they're the eyes and ears out in the community. So right. they'll gather information from uh, other citizen, citizens that they might speak with and bring it back. And, and that's where we kind of brainstorm and, and come up with ideas and, and have those conversations that we'll utilize to move forward with developing new facilities, new par uh, park projects, programs. Um, that, that advisory board is, is a key component to our success yeah. moving forward as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that you guys are, are basically sitting around going, all right, how else can we get the community involved? <laughs> how else can we get information uh, from the citizens to make sure that, you know, we're doing what they're looking for? So that's awesome. That's great. Well, um, so let's 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 talk briefly. I know uh, one of the things that comes up quite often, um, you know, either on social media or recently in an article in the paper, is the old train that we had over at Hunter Park. Um, so that's something else that comes up occasionally that people ask, "Hey, what about the old train?" I know we we used to have the old train, and they remember it being there, and they're curious whether or not it's going to be able to come back. So that's something that we that came up and was addressed during the, the master plan and stuff as well and, and these priorities. So let's talk a little bit about that. So 
did that come up occasionally? You know, when, when you're when you're in these community input meetings, you know, how often did the train come up in conversation as something that the public's really wanted to see back at the park? Well, it came up um, a number of times in the earlier stages of the process, um, particularly with the master plan uh, development. Uh, because again, when Lowe's Design came in, they kind of asked what were the hot topics, what were the things that uh, the buzz going on um, at the time with myself being new and then kind of getting the historical standpoint from employees, elected official in the community. So the train was an obvious uh, topic of conversation at that time. And when it came up, that gave us an opportunity to start investigating, going back to see, you know, all right, what do we currently have, which in our current scenario, we have the engine for uh, the train, but we don't have the passenger cars for the train. Um, right. If you had visited Hunter Park at that time, based from the renovations that took place following the flood, you would see parts of the track throughout the park where it, it was not a full completion of the track going around the park as it was right. once before. Um, so those were the things that we had to start looking at and investigating. And we started getting a cost analysis put together to see what it would cost to say going forward with the train, um, what it would take to get it back up and running, uh, also the staffing levels, operational needs, because of course your operational needs back, I would say, I guess, 2008, nine, whenever it was last running, right. compared to now, um, you have to also take into consideration uh, heightened safety standards, uh, whatever state regulations. And then of course, if you're talking land disturbance when dealing with constructing a railroad back out there, there was just so many ingredients uh, that we had to go and look at uh, before we could decide whether or not to move forward. So that was a conversation yeah. that was held on several um, stages of the master plan process. And ultimately their recommendation after collecting all the information to us was not to move forward. Um, it, it would not be in our best interest in moving right. forward. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is, I mean, you guys, have done a whole lot of research into, into that subject, into the train. Um, and I was here uh, just barely uh, when it was still here. Uh, when those floods came through, not only did it wipe out all sections of the track, but yeah, it the massive damage it did to the dam there at the lake, um, which took a long time to, to, to really work on, was another issue because the train track ran basically on the dam. Um, but the other, you're, you're also looking at issues with due to the flooding and the way the streams and stuff run through the other side of the lake, you're talking about dealing with uh, challenges with the environmental protection division, which basically prohibits you from putting the train back in the same footprint that it was in prior to the flooding. Um, so, I mean, in addition to cost issues, there's, there's, there's a lot of other challenges that, that have, are making it a real hard project to put back in place Correct. in the place that it was. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pieces to it that make it a challenge. And then, right. and then when you go and you have your public meeting and you say, all right, here are all of the challenges we have with putting the train back where it was, how it was uh, here is, you know, most of a million dollar project that it would cost to even start that project uh, and then you have to put it all out there and say, all right, we can do park renovations. We can do, we can add, you know, you know, water features over at this park. We can add new amenities at that park. 
or we can do, we can look at a project to try and put the train back and you have to make, and, and you have to make a decision. And, and like I said, you guys have been going to the community and going to these public meetings and saying, all right, here's all of our options. Here's what we want to see. So it's not just us and, and, and you guys as a park sitting back saying train's too expensive. We're actually asking the public, you know, we can look at the train project or we can do all of these other things, but there's only so much money. And I know a lot of your projects, it's great that a lot of the parks renovation projects are funded by our SPLOS program. Um, the last SPLOS that was passed in two, 2016 had a, had a percentage that was dedicated to park renovation projects, which is great, but that's a finite amount of money. So you're coming to the public and saying, hey guys, here's how much money we've got. And we're trying to put it into park renovations and all these different things. And you have to build that priority list based on what can be done, based on what the community you know, wants to see, uh, and based on what's, what's, you know, building us toward, you know, a, a great parks program in the future. And the train is part of that conversation, but when everybody's putting their final say in, it's not one of the top priorities because there are other things that the community wants to see in our parks. Um, especially with all of the additional challenges that comes to putting a train back in that spot. That's not just the financial, it's, logistic issues with putting it back right right so, now you guys have have taken the footprint of where the train was though and done some creative things right now it's you've expanded the walking paths at hunter park with the old train footprint right well so those that were here before are aware that what hunter was before the flood is completely different uh following with the addition of yeah. the facility uh, the addition of the baseball fields. And at that time, that's when they also included the walking trail that currently surrounds the pond. Um, right. We have had conversations and, and wanted to look at opportunities to extend the walking trail. But again, even with that idea itself, you also go into the natural environment, the land disturber conversations, and you're talking about impervious uh, surfaces versus <laughs> gravel. So um, of course, all of those have, you know, different costs associated with it. But uh, that's an idea that we have also entertained. And, and it's one that, you know, hopefully we can can look to go forward with at some point. Um, but of course, all of our ideas, as you mentioned, having a splice allocated for um, park operations and programs and, and future planning, uh, we want to make sure that our next step has a monumentous impact on the community. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we could develop another project, but it's going to impact a smaller community or smaller focus versus <laughs> if we did a park renovation or acquired land for another park, uh, you're having a larger impact on the community of those that attend the park, those that frequent the park. So um, that's how we're looking at all of our moves as we go forward. Uh, we want to see how we can satisfy the needs of the community um, on a larger scale. And, and those are the ones that will be prioritized. Yeah, which that makes the most sense, right? You have to figure out what projects and what renovations and stuff will make the biggest impact on the most uh, people in our community. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> democracy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're, we're here to serve and we, we're here to serve and, 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 serve what the community wants to see. So that's, that's again, cornerstone of the Parks and Recreation Department 
is that connection with the community and saying, what do you want to see in our community? What do you want to see in our parks? What would be a service to you in our parks? Um, and that's, you're building those priorities based on that input. So if, if anybody's ever, you know, looking at, at what the parks are doing or looking at the priorities and saying, you all, I think they need to be doing something different. Well, definitely come out and get involved because you guys are always having more community input meetings more polls and surveys and stuff out there. So if, if you don't like what's being done, get involved in those community input meetings because you guys are basing what you're doing on what the citizens are telling us, which is a great way to do it. Again, as public servants, that's how we should operate. <laughs> uh, so awesome. Well, is there anything else that we've missed in our grand tour of the Parks and Recreation Department of the city of Douglasville? No, Jason, I think we covered um I think we covered a lot of it. Um I just always continuously thanking our leadership uh for the support and guidance that they give. And we are very thankful for the community for those that do come out because as you as you mentioned, with COVID being among us, um being biased, we've always felt like parks was essential, but the uptick in attendance um out in our parks and out in the community. Um, it's even more obvious that, the, that there's a need for our services and, and we're just thankful that we're able to continue to provide and be public servants. And, and that's what we just wake up to do every day. <laughs> awesome. And you guys do a great job and you're always out there with smiling faces when people come visit our parks. So that's great. <laughs> well, thank you guys for all that you guys do and all the services and awesome parks that you provide. Uh, thanks, Chris, Shahara, Travis, for joining us and talking to us today about the parks in the past and the parks plans and the parks future and where we're going. And uh, it's exciting to see. So everyone should keep an eye out for, for more information on all the parks renovations coming up. You know, we'll, when we get those awesome renderings of like the willing workers park and the, the plans for Jesse Davis park, you know, we'll, we'll share those out. And, and uh, it's something to get excited about. It's, it's new. It's, it's really new, really awesome stuff coming to our community so that people should really be excited about. So all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank everybody for watching and listening to this episode of Douglas Hill Impact. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.